This episode was recorded on the land of the Jar Jar Rung. We pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. And we'd also like to pay our respects to any traditional owners listening to this episode. Welcome back to another episode of Country Creatives. Really? That yeah. was like the same intro. I know. I'm Reese, and you're... I'm Caleb. Yeah, cool. we got a sick episode <laughs> coming up because we're finally fact-checking you, Caleb, on whether chefs are actually creative. Look, I need no fact-checking, but I am excited to <laughs> be talking to the one and only Sonia Anthony, owner of Masons of Bendigo and absolute food creative master. Yep. Yeah, Cheers we talk, talk a little bit about the process of how a dish is created, the city of gastronomy. Local um, produce. Yeah, how creativity, culture, and food collide. Yeah, it's really great. And um, Sonia's got a, a, a bunch of great examples and stories of her background. Um, mm. And, mate, the reason why I didn't change the intro is actually oh, because fine. nobody suggested anything for us oh, to change it. To. Yeah, so really, it's the audience's fault. I like that. No, no, it is. Well, actually, I did catch up with our number one fan, Andre, and he gave me the start of a suggestion. Oh, so we'll marinate on that one. Okay, all right. All right, well, I'll be looking out on Instagram for those sweet comments, <laughs> those great ideas that are just percolating in your mind that you are going to share with us. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. All right, well, let's jump straight in. Get chatting with Sonia. Thanks for joining us, Sonia. Thanks for having me. Very oh, exciting. This is so exciting. Reese can attest to the fact that I have been wanting to get a legendary creative food master's perspective on this podcast for ages, haven't I, Reese? Yeah. You, I've been harping you, on about it. We've heard a lot of examples about how a chef is creative, but now we're going to fact check all of your claims. <laughs> <laughs> on you, you are the right person to have in the chair for this. I'm really excited. Let's just paint the picture for the for our listeners. Sonia, what do you get up to? And just paint the picture of what you're world looks like when it comes to creativity yeah okay what does my world look like that's a bit chaotic you could say <laughs> well that's why i've put it such a broad because i know a couple of things and they're all over the place <laughs> i think i've always been creative maths english that kind of thing eh, it was never my gig i love graphic design and and art and using that side of my brain that mm just evoked a lot of emotion and people often tell me that I'm a little bit too emotional. I'm like, you're probably not emotional enough. <laughs> it began a long time ago and I grew up in the kitchen with mum and I grew up in the garden with my dad and kind of that whole life experience of nurturing just really worked in the hospitality space and you've got to be a little bit crazy and yep. artistic. We're all under that same umbrella but we're using our emotions and our arms and our gifts in a, in a different way and for chefs that's about food and um, how we feel about it too um, mm. part of that emotion what that brings and the fact that anyone can share the gift of food with each other because we all eat mm. what we eat differs which is good too and that 
creates conversation. It was just a really natural thing for me and I really enjoy doing lots of different things at once. I said to someone recently, I think I've taken a service in the kitchen where you're doing multiple things at once to bring together a dish into my life. So I love you know, doing my prep at Mason's and being part of the team there. But I also love doing a lot of community stuff. Benigo Food Share are awesome, doing great things for our community. The farmer's market, of course, because it's all about trying to um, get the message out there that there are so many people in our community, at City of Gastronomy particularly, who are going and producing great things. So mm. I get really excited about it and I hope that that kind of excitement rolls out to other people yeah yeah so there you get the picture that the life of sonia anthony has a lot of things going on in it in good company we like we're at a <laughs> table right. with a, if we calculated all the things we got going it's a lot <laughs> yeah, it's yeah a lot. A lot's good yeah it is but they all i know and i can see that they all really feed into what makes you come alive and what you're passionate about for those who don't know what masons is can you share a little bit about the journey there yeah, sure. I first met my husband, Nick, in a pub in Brixton a long time ago, before probably you guys were even born. <laughs> That's how old we are. <laughs> okay, <Maybe>. no comment there. <laughs> and we just connected straight away and we always had a vision of opening our own restaurant and that's what we worked really hard towards. And that was Mason's 13 years ago now. Wow. And it was, it's really a culmination of all of the things that we loved throughout our food journeys and the places that we worked and the people that we worked with. So it's all the great things that we wanted to reflect to our community. And it's pretty crazy that we're coming into our 13th year. That is crazy. Yeah. And what are some of the successes that you've experienced at Mason's? Give us some of the highlights. Oh, there's been so many. I think really connecting with our community mm. is really important to us and connecting to who grows our food and also makes our beverages for us as well. I cannot forget those guys. No. And really highlighting the fact that there is so much within this space of central Victoria that we can support and we can enjoy and we can connect with and share those experiences with the people that come through the doors at Mason's. It feels like that's a bit of a trend now is to really have a local produce list and met and give credit to all the producers that are putting, uh, that you're using all of the little elements to create a dish. It feels like maybe my experience at Mason's was one of the first where I got to see that listed on the menu of, oh, that's where the microherbs are from B&B Basil and the meats from whatever farm or mm. were you probably setting a bit of a trend in Bendigo for that, but was that a pretty common thing or is that something you've been a bit of a leader in? I think it not – I wouldn't want to call it a trend because trends tend to come and go and this really probably – came about when we lived in Singapore. So we lived there with our kids for a few years and I was the retail manager of a upmarket food store and I would order in all the produce for the shop. And this is tons of like unpasteurised cheese from France and Italy and England. Like it was amazing, wow. every chef's dream. <laughs> but you got it at the back of a truck and it came in all this pretty wrapping and beautiful packaging, but there was no connection to who actually 
yeah. produce that food. Yeah. And that was a really big game changer for me particularly in coming back and really connecting to those people, mm. finding out why they were doing what they were doing and what kind of results mm. they were looking for in doing that. And it just completely changed the way I looked at food. And you're an author. You've got a book on a similar subject, right? Yes. So I created a tour which was called From Market to Paddock to Plate. And so this started at the farmer's market and then we'd go out and meet a couple of producers and then we would have dinner back at my place. And Amy Doak came on one of those tours and at the end of the night after a couple of glasses of red, she's like, hey, let's write a book. (laughs) I was on that tour that she was on. Oh, were you? I was. Yeah, (laughs) awesome. (laughs) And so that that was all about connecting. I've had people coming up to me at the market from nowhere (laughs) going, I went on that tour and that just completely changed the way I shop. And I'm like, oh, thank you so much because that's really what, it was supposed to be all yeah. about. Yeah. And then it was great to be able to call the bus and get everyone home after yeah. a big day. But <laughs> yeah, it was a really big undertaking too for the producers. They're busy people. They've got families. They're farming 24-7. So to actually commit to something like that was a really big deal too. So yeah, yeah it was a wonderful experience that people would could really get their hands on to. Wow. Awesome. And do you have a, an extensive history in the kitchen as a chef as well? Or you've been a little bit auxiliary to that with like you were just explaining that Singapore experience. So you seem like a bit of a convener of food and, and pulling the producers and the markets and everything together. Is that how you see yourself or? Yeah, I do see myself as a little bit of a connector. I don't know if that happened deliberately. It just happened. Classic story for me in the kitchen, you're one of probably no other females in the team, (laughs) you've got to work three times as hard and really prove yourself. Mm. And I'm super competitive anyway, so I'm like, yeah, game on guys. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I've always loved cooking and as a female, you'd get put in the pastry section, even though (laughs) I know how to cook all different sections which is fine because I love it it's really tactile you make these beautiful doughs and you're working with really nice things and you're taking a few simple ingredients and you're making something really lovely out of it that you know people will enjoy so there's a lot that it gives to me as much as what I can produce to make people happy Mm. when I reckon definitely I know and we've heard creativity kind of flows through your veins. It's kind of part of who you accept that you are and have known that you are for a long time. Would you say most chefs consider themselves creatives? I think it depends on who you're talking to because Nick's and my style of food is very much you get inspired by an ingredient and that will create your dish. Mm. Whereas traditionally when you go to TAFE or school, you're given a recipe and then you're told to make it. You know, I think it depends which way you steer. And some people are just happy to go in and do the same thing every day and have a routine. There's nothing wrong with that. Whereas we need to change things up all the time. Oh, and that requires creativity, right? And absolutely. You're designing, you're creating, you are being an artist and your tools and your elements are food. I'm really excited to hear about 
your creative process when it comes to what you create in the kitchen and say the menu you put together what is the creative process you go through and I'm really excited to hear about this because I think there'll be some really good parallels with our audiences a whole bunch of very wide-ranging industries and creatives but I think there's something that we'll we can all learn from each other's creative process Mm. oh definitely I think for us it starts with a food or it could even be a texture or a flavor or it could be something seasonal it could be something that's really really affordable there's something in abundance let's use that okay what can we do with that can we create multiple things with it are we using that as the hero ingredient or is it something that's more a seasoning so you're adding some extra flavors or do you need to add some texture to it or do you just feel like making that at the time there's a whole bunch of things and you always have a whole bunch of things jiggling around in your brain so you might see something on one day and Mm. just gets parked somewhere in there on the shelf that's it and then a little bit of time goes by and you see something else then you're like oh actually that and that would be awesome oh that's good how how can we make that work it's very fluid yeah it's not structured but then When it comes to creating the dish, it's really important for us to maintain that standard. Each dish that goes out is of the same exceptional quality, and that's really important for us too. I think that's definitely something that Mason's has got a reputation for now, and you've been around... What, 13 years which is, like, is that can you do dog years on that <laughs> yeah, that's what it feels like yeah, sometimes <laughs> can you give me an example of a dish maybe from the new menu that you've most recent menu or, or a dish that stands out where that creative process has been interesting or really inspiring that you're like oh wow i can't believe we did that and it worked i don't know 13 years on it doesn't always be that kind of woo. Yeah. yeah that's awesome yeah probably our biggest challenge at the moment is putting on a protein dish that fits within our margins so yeah. meat prices as everyone would know because going to the supermarket whatever are high so Crazy. how do we create something that's really flavorful interesting mm. And is supporting a local producer. So we found um, a lamb guy who's just started coming to the weekly farmer's market at the Goodloaf. And his product is phenomenal. And it's very well priced for us. So Nick's created a dish from that, which is great. Not only have we connected with a new producer, we're creating a new flavour. We're putting a dish around it and we're supporting him so each week he knows we're ordering x amount of that which is really important for small scale yeah that'd be huge for him as he's growing what's the flavor what's the dish what's the dish for the lamb dish i can't really tell you no you have to come in and experience it for yourself no secrets given here do that yeah i can't tell you or we're not leaving the room (laughs) that's right that's so good i'm excited i love the experience that you get at mason's it's probably one of the things that sets a few restaurants in that i frequent not as frequent as i'd like (laughs) but in in and around central victoria is that food their approach to food and the experience that you have there is genuinely an experience rather than volume food which is there's a big difference between that scale right and there's that you said earlier that a lot of people eat differently and approach food 
differently. But I see, and one of the things that draws me to a restaurant like Mason's is the creativity that's put onto not only the presentation, but the flavours, the connection between them, how that plays in with a drink maybe. There's so much thought right design Mm -hmm. put into that and it it plays into the whole experience it's not just food that i'm eating i'm coming here for an experience you've absolutely nailed it yay go (laughs) team (laughs) (laughs) and that's it there's so much that goes on behind the scenes to produce what we do at mason's and like i always say it's it's a team effort and Mm. it's every single person that comes through those doors and is part of the team that Mm. makes that happen Mm. and I think for us, it was always about creating something that you wouldn't do at home. And when COVID first happened, everyone's like, oh, just go to takeaway. And we're like, that's not what the menu was designed for. Mm. Like, it can't translate into takeaway. It doesn't travel well in a plastic container or something. Correct. You know, like, it's just not the same, is it? Even if not picking up off the pass long enough, there's going to be a difference, let alone yeah. putting in a container and, yeah. and setting it off to wherever the... Oh, yeah. Recipient was living. So, yeah, that's why we became a bakery and all these other crazy things because we didn't want to compromise on that. And we knew we were really firm on on that decision that no, the food is not designed for that. It's to come in and experience it Mm. and be a part of that whole immersion of the Mm. night or. The lunch. Something that I thought was interesting, we were discussing before you arrived today, was that food is such a multi-sensory experience and the kind of fields that Caleb and I are in are maybe a bit more two-dimensional or three-dimensional, but it feels like food can be four and five-dimensional. Can you tell us what your what you think the dimensions are? There's some obvious ones that we thought of, which was like taste, you know, sensory texture. ones. You're, you're drawing on nearly all of your senses. Like some dishes can draw on all of them, right? <laughs> yeah. You look at what Heston Blumenthal ended yeah. up doing. That that sensory overload for me. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like that's just going to a whole other creative realm yep. of theatre. Really, I think also when you go to a grower and say you go out to Strathfield, say to Golden Gums, and they're pulling the carrots out of the ground and there's that feeling and then you take that carrot and you bring it to the restaurant and you can smell it. It's so fresh. You haven't done anything to it and it tastes like a carrot. Sounds crazy. I know, right? That carrot's taste different than they do at the supermarket. (laughs) Yeah. How does that happen? I don't know. I don't know. But there's that feeling of then you take that on the journey with that really simple vegetable Mm. and it just takes on a whole new meaning. And you can do so much with it. Mm. You can showcase it. You can do all sorts of different cooking techniques with it to make it you want it soft or crunchy or silky smooth in a puree so many things that elevates that in into different multiple ways and also the one cool thing that I love about Nick's creativity is in the way he presents vegetarian dishes Mm. you go out for lunch I'm vegetarian and they take the meat away and just serve the rest of the dish (laughs) it's like what's that that is an incomplete dish (laughs) (laughs) correct so That's what I love about Nick. Like he can take 
different elements that something that we think of an everyday vegetable like a carrot and create all of these different kind of textures and smells and flavours and Mm. you add some smokiness to it or you add a different spice and you see the people eating it going, wow, someone actually took a lot of time in presenting this dish. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the the special things about – food i think in terms of creativity is there's emotion in all creative outputs and creative expressions but there's something next level going on in a really creatively designed dish that it can bring people to tears instantly right i've literally sat in a restaurant before and almost cried after putting a piece of this dish in my mouth it's just wild because it's nourishment to our body it it is there's so much history to draw on, good, bad maybe, but it draws on something a whole lot deeper within us. And when someone designs something and puts a lot of creativity into a dish that you receive, it speaks to you on a, on a whole nother level than just your, your, your veggie mite on toast in the morning, right? Mm, but <laughs> on that... Tell me. You can still do bad Vegemite on toast, right? Oh, you can. That's right. Yeah. So, and it's all the one percenters. So, how many times have you gone out for breakfast and you've asked for poached eggs mm. and the poached eggs weren't cooked properly? Mm, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, a few times, yeah. You think poached eggs pretty easy, right? Mm. And you're paying money for it and yeah. you get it and it's overcooked. What a rip. Yeah. So, it's that other element of yeah. cooking of I care. I love this. I love what I do. Mm. I want to do the best I can to make this poached egg the best poached egg I can ever produce. I'm glad you've brought up poached eggs because I have a very specific (laughs) opinion on poached eggs. Do you? That I would like to bounce off you. Yeah, sure. This is great. The correct way to poach an egg. Sometimes at some restaurants I specifically ask them, I want the whites to be solid but the yolk to be runny. Yes, Okay, is, but then a lot of the all time right. I hate it when it's undercooked and the whole the white is all <gasps> the runny. Like, it, there's runny yeah. whites in there. Okay. Oh, good. Your face says no, that that's great. okay for me to have that opinion. <laughs> yes. A lot of people just don't care and they're like, no, whatever, it's good. Oh, yeah. Can I give my two cents before yeah. we hear from the yeah. professional? Poached eggs, great topic. I have two <laughs> poached eggs on toast every single morning. No way. Every single morning from my own chickens. Wow. From bread that my wife sourdough that my wife makes. Yeah. So wow. It's, it is. It's a. It's great. From what a way. Tr- to start the day. Ch- Can I come over <laughs> tomorrow <Yeah>. morning? <laughs> With chives from the garden. But I never knew how to cook poached eggs. Yeah. Sammy worked it out. She just Googled it, right? And now I'm the poached eggs cooker, right? Yeah. The correct way, it may not be the way I'm doing it, so I'm interested if you can level me up here. The hot water in a pan, like a shallower kind of pan, maybe like 10 centimetres, and it's brought to the right temperature it's not too hot not too hot oh, there, not see, this, too hot what's not too hot yeah okay i'm not being very precise here okay. it's not boiling at all not a, oh, not okay even, not no, even simmering n- no pre-simmer okay. but then i take the, the outside bit of an egg that's like the runnier bit of the the white yeah you try and get that out put it in a little sieve thing <laughs> you're really and then taking you swirl over. it <laughs> you swirl it in the water what the correct temperature water whatever that arbitrary measurement is and you swirl it like as you're putting it in uh yeah and that's all i got yeah what tell no, me right of the professional yeah, all right you no, just go. listen i'm still trying to work out the egg white thing oh okay so how much of that <laughs> i never knew that was a thing maybe your chickens are just like 
really unique. I don't. I don't no, no. There's, there's the egg white has just like a little bit of runniness to yeah. it. <laughs> Is it close? Am I close? You, you, do you know what? A long time ago, mm. so when I lived worked in London, I had chefs, Michelin star chefs, who were like, "You must this way, mm-hmm. do it my way." Fair <laughs> enough, I get that. But I feel like, do you get? The poached eggs that you want. Yeah, Does do. it really yeah. matter what the journey is? Mm. Isn't it all about what you get at the end? The right? result, great. Probably. Are you happy with your poached eggs? I'm, I'm often very happy with my poached eggs. Yeah, see, it's working for you. Okay, that's great, but can you level me up? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're not letting me go on this one. All right, from a professional's yes. TAFE learning class, Yes, you have quite a... Deep pot okay, with boiling water uh-huh. and you put a little bit of vinegar, mm. not too much because you don't want your eggs to taste like vinegar. No, Mm-mm-mm. you do not. To make sure, just have a taste of the water, of what your vinegar level's like. But you want it boiling. Okay. And I just have the egg in a little bowl and do the swirling thing. Great. Very smart swirling. <laughs> you put your egg in your set and you take your perforated spoon and you guide the whites oh. back together. Back together, and then you turn oh, the boiling the water down so it's a simmer. Ah, because you want your egg to have a good time in the water while it's cooking. <laughs> you don't want to be getting bounced around, around all over the place. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's so good. At least you got one of those steps right. And <laughs> the I think swirling. It, the swirling. Yeah, yeah. Like the swirling's really important. It, it makes is. sense why you said. Do you get the eggs that you – the res- initial response was, do you like the eggs? <laughs> <laughs> the process yeah, is different, but no, yeah, that's, that's great. I just reckon go with it. Is yeah. there a rule book? And mm. sometimes during my journey I thought, I wonder what kind of chef I would have been if I didn't go through an apprenticeship and mm. have, like, proper training. Yep. How would I cook? Would I cook – more freely, more openly, would I be uh, more imaginative rather than having this pre-program of mm. what it is? Well, that's really interesting because that's there's a alignment or a similarity there with a lot of different creative industries, I feel, or business in general probably. It's the thought of do you need to learn the rules to be able to break them well mm. or does the lack of understanding of the rules free your creativity up? Yeah, great questions. I feel like I, I've probably experienced a bit of both of those in business development and leadership. I've on the other end of learning what common business practices are and especially marketing business and then coming out the other end going, look, now I know how to do things that are unconventional and do things differently and because I think they're better. Mm. But yeah. then, yeah, there's definitely other areas where I've gone, oh, man, if I hadn't have known the rules, maybe I could have done something a bit cooler. Yeah, I think you're pretty cool, though. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Sonia. <laughs> no worries. What about you, Reese? Can you relate it all to that kind of um, creative journey being given boundaries and rules? I'm glad you said that was exactly what I was going to say. Do you have to know the rules before you can break them? Or mm. But then if you don't know the rules, you don't know you're breaking them. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Man, we're deep here. Yeah. <laughs> That's good, though. I'm interested to hear, though, Reese. is there any time where you felt like you've you've gone outside of what is like a, a creative rule in design or even in a project development? I think like sometimes it's more about a feeling than a 
like the rule is like, oh, you're not meant to do that, but it feels right for this. Yeah. But I guess that's me coming from the perspective of having that training in graphic design or, yeah. Well, I'm not a trained artist, so Mm. I can go into some of those things and just go, oh, it's just because it feels good. Yeah. I think it's maybe it's a bit of both. I don't know. There's no right or wrong, obviously. Totally. Yeah. I was actually wondering about, we're talking about it being multi-sensory food and like on the scale of importance. So maybe if we dial in on the the rules of food versus breaking them and weighing up, I'm thinking visually of food, like you eat with your eyes. Mm. So that's Mm -hmm. an important component. Texture is an important component. Smell is an important component. And if there's a scale or a balance of how you keep all of those things in balance, it's, it feels like a lot more things to juggle than some other creative industries. It does actually. And probably following on from that, how where do you set that balance? Because it's pretty subjective, right? It Tell me, where, where do you set this is what we at, at Mason's think is balanced or good? Do you set it on your own uh taste buds and your own kind of standard or do you think about your audience or your customers in mind? Um, I think a whole lot of things. I think experience definitely plays a big part in it. Um, Learning from really skilled chefs was a really big thing for me. When I was in London, I think I was getting paid 2p an hour or something, but the experience was phenomenal. So I took so much away from that. So that was a really important thing for me to learn as much as I could from that chef. Mm. And when I felt I did, I would move on somewhere else and do the same thing. But I think you still have to cook from your heart and it is subjective as creative fields are. So what I like might be something you don't like, but it doesn't mean it's right or wrong Mm. we're just different and that's always been a bit contentious when it comes to awards and what makes a better restaurant it could be someone who's got a really simple hawker stall that's been creating this one dish for five generations and it takes three days to make as opposed to something like mason so what makes masons better than that it's not comparable Mm. and that's similar to say creative art and even sculpture and all of those other creative elements it's really what you like yeah and so for us we hope that there's enough people who like what we like yeah that they'll come back and experience what we do yeah Yeah. what is it that you like if you're gonna um, classify your food is it uh, you might not like to put it in a box but if you do you try and explain it what is your niche style or your approach that makes mason's a unique brand like what's your brand of food i think for us it was defining the parameters of where we sourced our food Mm. so it's central victoria Um, Having the City of Gastronomy mappings helped as well. Um, But that having that definition Mm. is what's made us have that very big focus because you can't do all the things. And that's what I love about Bendigo. There's so many different places doing amazing things that they love Mm. and they're doing it really well rather than everyone trying to do all the things and competing against each other. And not offering anything unique Mm. everyone does their thing that they love their cool style or flavors or tastes and it's awesome because 
people go out and they experience great things. Yeah, so yours is the it's the taste of the region. Correct. That's yeah. really cool. Mm-hmm. I love that and that leads in really well to the city of gastronomy, right? So we have Bendigo got that designation from the Creative Cities Network in 19, 20, 19, something like that, yep. a few years ago now. and It was pre-COVID, I yeah, reckon. Yeah, it might yeah. have been 18, 19, something like yeah. that. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how you've had a hand in there or how you've been involved from it, the creative? Maybe first of all we can say what it is. I'm not sure if everyone knows well, yeah. what a city of gastronomy is. Can of you course. give us mm. the rundown? Mm. It's an interesting conversation, that one. That's probably a whole other podcast in okay. itself <laughs> because people come up to me and they go, what is the city of gastronomy? And I'm like, it's a whole lot of things. There's so many elements to food. Mm-hmm. I guess if you want to simplify it down, I – I just tell people it's about good food and it's good food that comes from our region or it's good beverages that comes from our region and it's all the elements of that that are unique to us. So, you know, people can tap out in all sorts of different directions and it still all comes under that same umbrella, which is cool because having the conversations is what then leads other conversations and so forth. So what... My question is, what got Bendigo that designation? What makes Bendigo a city of gastronomy? It's not Bendigo specifically. So there's seven creative city titles and gastronomy is the only one that actually captures a region. So they've realised that you don't grow things in cities because the land's too expensive, produce comes from the outer regions. We actually take in seven LGAs. You're going all the way up to Echuca and then I believe Annie Smithers' property, Babington Farm, is on the border down south. So she just fits in. Castlemate, past Castlemate? Trentham. Trentham, okay. So so that's what a city of gastronomy is. Yeah. It's more than a city and it's about good food. And it's about good food. And, And we... Part of the submission of which I had such a small part of, like people were like, wow, what did you do? And I'm like, not much. <laughs> but I love talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So there's four different pillars and one's health and nutrition, one's Jaja Rung and the six seasons. Another one is regenerative agriculture. And then there's a fourth pillar, which is creativity, like arts. Arts and creativity. Yes. Boom. So it's taking up those four pillars and then you shoot off from there, which made our submission unique. And it was great. We had a gentleman called Doug Hartman who was who's from Sweden and he was our mentor and he would come over and, wow. and talk to us and say, Yeah, this is amazing what you're doing here and just went from there really. Wow. Mm. I felt very privileged to be invited to an event, Dajik La. At, mm. In Harcourt, I'm yep. sure. We, I don't think we met, but I'm assuming you were there. I was there. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a, a beautiful event. It was the production. I know Rebecca Beck Phillips was the one of the performers. Then they did that roaming. It was like a seasonal calendar type of. Oh my god, I can't even explain Menu. what it was. But it was a it was an amazing event to go to, at, off the back of the gastro- city gastronomy and getting producers and creatives and restaurants and all types of people together and government and council and to just t- come together and talk about food and creativity it was that kind of stuff is amazing that this title of city of gastronomy can have the power to bring people together exactly there were people that i would never normally meet and at the end of the introduction 
everyone went to different tables and you'd talk about different topic points and I loved hearing the different responses from people, so from the artists and then local government and then you've got food and everyone's got a different angle from the same topic. So, yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah, I was definitely driving the creative, one of the creative tables, but we got derailed by council person, someone in council. What a shame. (laughs) Too many boundaries. and uh, (laughs) But it it was such an amazing thing to go to. Yeah, they need to do more of those. And they did the stone soup as well, where everyone bought ingredients and they ad hoc made a a soup for everyone to have at the end. Oh, my goodness. That's amazing. Yeah, do you know what stone soup is? Uh, yeah, it rings a bit of a bell. Is it just like, like what Reese is talking about? Like you, yeah, lots of different random things? Yeah, so where was it? Was it, where did it originate? Can you remember, Reese? No, obviously, uh, I'm assuming European. I think it was somewhere in Europe. Yeah. And it was during really hard times. Yes. Where there was no food around. And there was this little village. And rather than everybody keep, their little bit of something that they'd grown to themselves, they decided that they would all come together into the village square and they would bring their little thing that they grew and they would put it in this pot. And so they created this really ginormous bowl of soup that everybody could eat. Wow. And I I think the name stone soup comes because if you didn't have anything to contribute, you'd throw a stone in. But that it was okay because it was more of a communal, a community supportive meal. Right. So the, the name Stone Soup is obviously a few stones, pebbles in the bottom of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you always first. strain the soup. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I remember that event being being launched, and it sounded and looked amazing. And that's what I love about the city of gastronomy is that it's really, it is bringing together arts, culture, and food in the same kind of basket and shaking it around a little bit and linking what's already happening and encouraging more of that collaboration to happen. What Have you seen from your perspective over the period of this city of gastronomy kind of anything shift or change in the food space in Bendigo? Oh, absolutely. I think there's a lot more openness about new ideas and new collaborations and is it an event or is it just talking to each other or is it getting different industries together, Mm. looking at how we can do things more creatively with current events. So next year there's a really great element of um, local food in the Lost Trades Fair event. So check that out. Definitely. So a lot of that sort of building stuff has been happening and the team of City of Greater Bendigo have done an amazing job in supporting a whole lot of initiatives in that creative space which may not have happened in the past so much. Having the designation it's hey guys you got it because we've got it going but we've got to keep it going because you lose your designation otherwise so you've got to prove that you're still doing all this great stuff otherwise UNESCO turn around and go sorry you're off the list, wow. which would be so embarrassing. Yeah, wouldn't it? Yeah, shout out to Michelle. She's the City of Gastronomy Officer at, at the City of Greater Bendigo. And we had the honour of shooting with you, Sonia, and a heap of other really cool people to explain a bit of a video series about what 
the city of gastronomy is. I'm really excited. You mentioned a little bit about it, actually. They've done a lot of work in mapping. Where could people find out more and what resources are available if someone wanted to dive into city of gastronomy and maybe draw on some of those local producers or find out what's happening in that area? So there is a specific website which the city's developed. So just Google city of gastronomy. There's a fantastic interactive map So you can create your own little itineraries. You can find out where people are, producers, farmers markets, people who are supporting those producers as well. So you can make your own adventure, so to speak, within the whole region. And that's the other great thing. The city's gone and connected with other LGAs around. Like, that Mm. just doesn't happen. How can we all work together and build on this and make it really fantastic rather than everyone kind of working in silos yeah the stone soup analogy is really relevant in in Mm. that context yeah big kudos to michelle she's been doing an awesome job yeah love it that's amazing um i was going to ask a little bit of a side question we are a bit more in the professional creative industries caleb and i and i was wondering about the hospitality industry and thinking about the creative professional services photography web design branding design i have a little story 13 years ago i walked into mason's when it was just empty walls and being renovated and whatever and I was just out there hunting for graphic design work because I was self-employed trying to muscle up work and walked in and spoke to the builders the complete wrong people to speak to <laughs> trying to get some work going oh, cool new restaurant I'm, oh. like, get out of here mate rookie we, we mistake ne- we never cross paths but maybe oh what a shame okay so maybe the question is how can creatives and hospitality work together to enhance both sides of the fence so how creatives can positively affect hospitality and how hospitality can feed the the work pipeline for creatives as well Mm, i think it is quite interactive lou did all of our graphic design early on and her now husband had their first date at mason's (gasps) did they they did which is too cute i know (laughs) it's so lovely (laughs) i think for me it was just finding people who could connect to what our story meant to us Mm. and be able to translate that in whichever way. I think a lot of that sort of side of it, I'm a little bit of a control freak. I've done my own social media for the whole time except for one week. One week. When Amy Doak took it over for me. (laughs) And I believe that our social media and marketing needs to be my voice and what it is that we feel because it is a feeling. And I know there's times where Nick's like, oh, you haven't posted for a while. I'm like, okay, boss, like he knows anything (laughs) about social media. And you put something out there and you're not going to get traction because you're just doing it. Yeah, right? You're just yeah, doing feed it. To, the machine. That's it. And it's there you go. That's exactly the response <laughs> I knew I was going to get. It's about building those relationships. And I just love whenever people comment and make, take the time to say something mm. or give an opinion or feedback or anything because they're busy. Mm. They could just keep scrolling, but they don't. And they really support what we do and that really means a lot. Yeah. And it's try to find, like if we had met, young people just coming into an industry who are just kicking off yeah. and giving them a go. Like I know I've had a few mentors over 
my younger years and that meant a lot to me. That's a really important element for me as well is trying to support young people coming up and having great ideas. So Charlie, who's doing her Jarwanmarak tea, which is yes tea in Jara. Oh, yeah, Charlie Denali Lee. She's awesome. Yeah, I helped her with Auntie Julie and Melinda Harper create her um, product range. Oh, wow. We tested it at Mason's to get feedback. Wow. And went from there. That's so cool. Yeah, so helping create that spark and platform, which is Mason's basically is Hmm. a platform for people to bring a product, a new product, anything that they feel really excited about that we can see, we can use, and then tell the whole world about it because Mm. it's awesome. Yeah, it's probably good that you met um, Louise instead of me because she's a better designer than (laughs) I am. Hands down. (laughs) She's a bit of a legend, that's true. She is. And speaking about contributing to young people's journey, when I had no idea what I was doing in business, and really anything, you gave me a go and said, yeah, we'll make some video stuff and got me on board to, to shoot some promo stuff for, for a different couple of different spaces and things at Mason. So really appreciate that. Yeah, that, that was heaps of fun. And you just make me look like I know what I'm doing. You're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> no, heaps of fun. And it really helps when you've got a really good story to tell. And that's what I love about hospitality. I've done a few different projects for different hospitality venues and it's funny because they are always so creative it's such a great story to tell and one of my favorite team ups was actually with a place that I got paid in food oh (laughs) love a good barter it's like the ultimate win right yeah yeah (laughs) like I love food so yeah shot this video for them and then and they just paid me with it ended up almost being a year's worth of food really (laughs) (laughs) because of the valued exchange yeah I'd encourage to don't walk into a place that's being renovated and ask the builder if you can (laughs) get some some work from the restaurant but would what would you say from a perspective of a hospitality venue owner what is the attitude I suppose in the industry of creatives coming in and saying hey can we collaborate on something or hey can I serve you in any way? I'm a huge one on collaboration not everybody is and that's okay because we're all different my mind is always going racing about new ideas and then I'll probably be having a shower one morning and it's oh my god I just thought of the most amazing (laughs) idea let's do it and then just go and do it yeah I don't understand people go oh you're so amazing you do these things it's I don't understand (laughs) like it doesn't (laughs) seem like such a big deal to me yeah it's an entrepreneur's mindset, though, is isn't it? it? Oh. I think yeah. so. Like, I think so, yeah. And it's a lot of people in bigger businesses and council, there's so many roadblocks and procedure. and but as yeah, they didn't come up with, right? No, they just yeah. have to conform to the yeah. process. That's why I really like working with small business owners or medium business yeah. owners. And they're just not constrained by anything. Yeah. They're just like, oh, this is the thing we're going to do. Let's just go for it. Yeah, yeah. 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 And then think of the consequences later. <laughs> Ask for forgiveness. There's (laughs) often too many variables to try and plan out everything that could or might happen, right? You just got to give it a go. Yeah. One thing I heard in your process is the idea of putting something, gathering ideas 
and parking them and having a mental storage space where you're like, oh, that's an interesting idea. That could come in handy at some unknown point in the future. I've got this space where I go, I've thought a little bit about an idea enough to put structure around it, but I'm just going to put it on the shelf. Um, has that been a kind of a self-aware process that you've developed or is that just how you roll? I think as I got older, it just became bigger ideas. When I was younger and cooking, there'd be a group of us and we'd all meet around someone's house and we'd cook some stuff up and everyone made something. It was someone's turn and they'd put a few things together and you'd talk about it and talk about food all the time. That's just been our life. Like my sister-in-law, she's, oh my God, you never stop talking about food. And look, (laughs) you've got the food channel on. It's it's just how it is. We never get sick of it. This is everything our whole life. Mm. And so I think as I've got older and I've got less of the I don't care what you think syndrome. Yes. It's let's just do it. And this year, particularly at the start of the year, I was like, this is the year for reconnecting. Mm. This is it. And I'd had an idea for ages where I wanted a whole group of talented women to come together who create artisanal sweet food and do it really well. But I couldn't figure out a venue. And that was post-COVID. So that had been sitting on the bench for a few years. Then... As it happens in Bendigo with the whole two degrees of separation thing, (laughs) I found out that Sarah, who used to work for us, had leased the Made in Common building. And I'm like, boom, there it is. That's it. And then that's how the Sunday Sweet Session started. Oh, you're behind that. Okay. Yeah. That's, That's cool. me. Okay, tell me more about the Sunday Sweet Sessions because funnily enough, I was at the farmer's market. That was the thing I took a photo of your group of people that you yes. were there. Yeah, when you just – I'm like, I need someone to take a photo and I'm looking around at the options and then <laughs> you just appear out of nowhere. All, all oh. I knew was from my perspective, <laughs> Sonia starts yelling at me. <laughs> I'm walking past. <laughs> Sonia, hey, you, <laughs> we need a photo taken. <laughs> Caleb's just going to get his extra virgin olive oil. I'm like, oh, my God, the universe has yeah. called out. And I'm like, Caleb, take my phone. Can you take a photo? And he's like, are you for real? I'm like, yes. Oh, I thought it was great. But yeah. what I was taking a photo of was a, the bunch of amazing women artisans that you'd col- collected. Tell us what this Sunday Sweet Sessions is about. I think it's a bit of a call out so that we don't end up as a lost trait. Yeah. It's people... And women, I love connecting and putting up on the stage because hospitality and food is so male-oriented all the time. It's getting a lot better, but it's still a long way to go. But women who create really beautiful things from scratch and they use skill and they use experience and they use love and a lot of work. So these are women who came along on this journey and spent a lot of work getting their goods prepared and coming into a space where they could make good money because, Mm. let's face it, it's been a really challenging year. People are very cautious about where they're spending their money. All right, let's create an opportunity for people to come Spend a little bit of money, but if we get a whole lot of people spending a little bit of money, everyone's happy. And it was crazy busy. It also exposed a lot of these women out into the general community of who they are, what they do, how amazing their product is. And 
that we do have this talent within this city. So that was such a success. I'm like, all right, how about we make it a bit bigger and do a couple of other things and let's go to the Beehive. Hey, that's a great idea. So is this a regular thing that you're going to be doing now? How can people engage with some yeah, of this? Yeah, I would love to do it once a year yeah. and during winter time. So people are not worried if they're buying an extra croissant to put on an extra few kilos because <laughs> summer's mm. ages away. Yeah, yeah, lots of time. Hear my thinking. Yes, so I hear you. This is good. It's, yeah, I think it'll be around that June, July, August kind of time. Love it. Yep. Brilliant. And I guess it's a pretty obvious way to come and test out your creativity is try to get a booking at Mason's. I think that's a testament to your success is you've got a book so far in advance to, to, what's the waiting list? How far in advance are you booked? Look, pre-COVID, it was a thing, but now, unfortunately, yeah, it's oh, not so much. No. Okay, but I'll have to book in myself then <laughs> yeah. to go and have a look at the, yeah, whatever no the new menu is. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> awesome. no excuse. Love it. Yeah. And where can anyone else uh, find what you're up to outside of Mason's? How can people follow? Are you very active on Instagram or Facebook? I don't like to talk about myself so much. So this is a very unique experience. Ah. Um, Generally, I talk through other platforms. So Mason's, obviously, Facebook, Instagram. I've created a Sunday Sweet Session Instagram account so people can keep an eye on that from when the next shiny event's going to be next year. (laughs) Love it. And I do admin a closed pre-order page for the Benigo Community Farmers Market so you get to hear about specials and all the cool stuff going on there. Right, Thursday Farmers Markets, you can often see Sonia rocking around and then you just got to keep your ear to the ground uh, yep. for what cool new thing mm-hmm. Sonia's going to do. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Chef's kiss. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you do the thing with the salt as well. <laughs> oh, the, the, sprinkle it over the your sweet. elbow. Yeah. Meat, very meanish, isn't it? And then and have you got one of those ginormous <laughs> pepper grinders as well? <laughs> Perfect. Let's bring out all the cliches (laughs) to do with food possible. Thank you so much, Sonia, for spending the time with us and uh, and talking about yourself as as a bit of a a change. Yeah. Thank you so much for making that so easy. You guys are amazing. (laughs) And thanks for having me. It's been my pleasure. so much for joining us for another episode of Country Creatives Podcast with your hosts, Caleb Maxwell and Reese Hendy. I'm the producer of the show, Amy Chapman, and we do it all with a bunch of help from the Emporium Creative Hub in Mitchell Street, Bendigo. If you would like to find out more about the incredible Sonia Anthony or get a link to Mason's so you can make a reservation, then please do visit countrycreatives.com.au or emporiumcreativehub.com.au slash podcast and you'll get all the details there. We've got another episode coming for you in two weeks' time, so make sure that you're subscribed to the Country Creators Podcast via your favourite podcasting platform and you'll be notified when the episode lands. We'd also love it if you share us with any of your favourite creative friends. In the meantime, stay happy and super creative and we will be in your ears very soon. Bye.